Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hello, friends. Welcome to Spark My Muse. I am your host, Lisa Colon-Delay, and you're listening to Soul School, Consolations. Today, I'm going to be reading a little bit from Consolations by David White. The full title is called Consolations, the Solace, Nourishment, and Underlying Meaning of Everyday Words. I will be taking some of this information from Maria Popova's Brain Pickings, now called the Marginalia. As usual, there will be links and references to what I'm reading you, so you can follow up with that, and there will be a link to the book, which I highly recommend. David White is an astonishingly insightful writer. He was a friend of John O'Donohoe, another sage, Anna Karam, who I greatly enjoy reading. You will not be disappointed when you get his work. Maria writes, many of White's meditations invert the common understandings of each word and peel off the superficial to reveal the deeper, often counterintuitive meaning, but nowhere more so than his essay on anger. Anger, says White, is the deepest form of compassion for another, for the world, for, for the self, for a life, for the body, for a family, and for all our ideals, all vulnerable and all possibly about to be hurt. Stripped of physical imprisonment and violent reaction, anger is the purest form of care. The internal living flame of anger always illuminates what we belong to, what we wish to protect, and what we are willing to hazard ourselves for. What we usually call anger is only what is left of its essence. When we are overwhelmed by its accompanying vulnerability, when it reaches the lost surface of our mind or our body's incapacity to hold it, or when it touches the limits of our understanding. What we name as anger is actually only the incoherent physical incapacity to sustain this deep form of care in our outer daily life. The unwillingness to be large enough and generous enough to hold what we love helplessly in our bodies or our mind with the clarity and the breadth of our whole being. So I just want to stop there for a second and say that what White is speaking of is the actual incited anger that happens first, not whatever may come later, such as a temper tantrum or physical violence or any kind of manifestation of the anger, but the actual spark itself of anger. He points to a vulnerability in us. He points to a reaction about what we care about, what we love or what we belong to. That's a keen insight. So sometimes we punish ourselves for being angry, or sometimes we congratulate ourselves for being angry. But what's interesting to realize is that it points to a deeper passion within us. 
course, what we do with that passion makes all the difference. Maria writes, such a reconsideration renders white not an apologist for anger, but a peacemaker in our eternal war with its underlying vulnerability, which is essentially an eternal war with ourselves. For at its source lies our tenderest, timidest humanity. White adds, what we have named as anger on the surface is the violent outer response to our own inner powerlessness. A powerlessness connected to such a profound sense of rawness and care that it can find no proper outer body or identity or voice or way of life to hold it. What we call anger is often simply the unwillingness to live the full measure of our fears or of our not knowing in the face of our love for a wife, in the depth of our caring for a son, in our wanting the best, in the face of simply being alive and loving those with whom we live. Our anger breaks to the surface most often through our feeling that there is something profoundly wrong with this powerlessness and vulnerability. Anger in its pure state is the measure of the way we are implicated in the world and made vulnerable through love in all its specifics. Anger truly felt at its center is the essential living flame of being fully alive and fully here. It is a quality to be followed to its source, to be prized, to be tended, and an invitation to finding a way to bring that source fully into the world through making the mind clearer and more generous, the heart more compassionate, the body larger and strong enough to hold it. What we call anger on the surface only serves to define its true underlying quality by being a complete but absolute mirror opposite of its true essence. And related to that is forgiveness, because sometimes in anger we will do something that needs to be forgiven, or someone in anger will do something for which they need forgiveness. White considers the nature of forgiveness when he writes, Forgiveness is a heartache and difficult to achieve because, strangely, it not only refuses to eliminate the original wound, but actually draws us closer to its source. To approach forgiveness is to close in on the nature of the hurt itself, the only remedy being, as we approach its raw center, to imagine our relation to it. Strangely, forgiveness never arises from the part of us that was actually wounded. The wounded self may be the part of us incapable of forgetting and perhaps not actually meant to forget, as if, like the foundational dynamics of the psychological immune system, our psychological defenses must remember and organize against any future attacks. After all, the identity of the one who must forgive is actually founded on the very fact of having been wounded. Stranger still, it is that wounded, branded, unforgetting part of us that eventually makes forgiveness an act of compassion rather than one of simply forgetting. To forgive is to assume a larger identity than the person who was first hurt, to mature and to bring to fruition an identity that can put its arm not only around the afflicted one within, but also around the memory seared 
within us by the original blow and through a kind of psychological virtuosity extend our understanding to the one who first delivered it forgiveness is a skill a way of preserving clarity sanity and generosity in an individual a beautiful way of shaping the mind to a future we want for ourselves an admittance that if forgiveness comes through understanding and if understanding is just a matter of time and application then we might as well begin forgiving right at the beginning of any drama rather than put ourselves through the full cycle of festering incapacitation reluctant healing and eventual blessing to forgive is to put oneself in a larger gravitational field of experience than the one that first seemed to hurt us we reimagine ourselves in the light of our maturity and we reimagine the past in the light of our new identity we allow ourselves to be gifted by a story larger than the story that first hurt us and left us bereft that is an incredible way to understand the nature of forgiveness and the nature of growing in maturity to be able to handle hurt and not be just damaged and destroyed by it and made smaller. As I close out today's episode, I'm doing so on some new equipment. Thanks to you, friends and loyalists, to spark my muse and to my work. I'm speaking to you on a Zoom F3 field recorder, the kind of microphone often used by reporters out in the field. It's specifically designed to minimize other noises so that my voice sounds more clear. It doesn't particularly pick up bass in my voice that well. It's supposed to be good for on-the-road travel, a portable, on-the-road type of recording. This is recorded quite a bit in advance, but as you hear this episode drops, I will be back in Puerto Rico for the third time this year. I raised some money to do this through a GoFundMe project. Thank you so much if you contributed to that. I'm working in Puerto Rico right now in an area called Condado, to help people who are less privileged, we need to be among them and not just tweeting about them or thinking about them or sending checks, but to live nearby. And so I'm working for Room and Board and I'm looking for ways to contribute to different charities and organizations down here that directly help. There are a lot of things that we take for granted on the mainland of the United States people don't have here. People don't have electricity all the time. There's been a terrible situation with privatizing electricity and there's power outages where everybody's food will go bad and the generators will stop working because the power goes on and off. I will be updating all this on my Substack, so I hope you go and check that out. There will be photos there, news and updates. Hopefully I'll be able to connect you with organizations down here. So thank you for being interested and involved in what's happening. May God bless and keep you, and I'll see you next week.
Ohio. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.